You're listening to the audio ministries of First Baptist Church of Troy, Texas. You're invited to join us for live and in-person morning worship every Sunday morning at 1045 a.m. Visit fbctroytx.org for a list of our activity times and family-centered community ministries. Now here's today's message. Hopefully that as we are going through this series of Christ in the Old Testament, your thanksgiving for Jesus is going to be that much more. When you see how God, man, from the very beginning, I mean, we started in Genesis, from the very beginning had Jesus coming for you, for me. He saw us, and he did that for us. And I, I, just, uh, uh, I just thank him so much for that. We're going to uh, continue on Christ in the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Leviticus Leviticus. This is a book that, uh, quite honestly, a lot of folks don't get through. I mean, they start reading it, right? And then about partway through it, that's it. I mean, it it can be rather tedious, uh, I'll put it that way. But I believe that in this book, in Leviticus, you literally find Jesus, an imprint of Jesus on every page. It is, it is such an amazing thing as I've gone through, and I've, it's been a long time since I've gone through and just really kind of gone through and studied deeply Leviticus, and there is Jesus on every page. And so, uh, and, and I believe that if you will just go through and look for Jesus, look for Jesus, look for Christ, you will find him so easily here in the book of Leviticus. Uh, and... Uh, we, we've, we're going to be looking at this morning imprints of Jesus. We've, in the past, I've looked at, uh, in, in, in uh, Genesis and Exodus, I look at the person, the presence, the promise of that. We're going to be looking at imprints of Jesus. And again, the, the, his imprints are all over this book, and, and it was hard for me to pick out three imprints uh, uh, to look at. There were so many, but in lieu of us having a real long sermon today, Uh, or us just taking forever to go through Leviticus. We're just going to go through three. Uh, Leviticus is almost all instructions to the Hebrew. Uh, It is how that they are supposed to live, how God wants them to differentiate themselves from the peoples around them. God wanted them to be different, different from other folks. As God is holy, he wants them to also be holy. And, and Leviticus shows us how this holy God with his unholy people through the sacrificial system brings atonement. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, Leviticus gets us ready to see how God through Jesus would make atonement for his people to make us holy, to bring us into a loving relationship with God. Now, the word atone, you're going to hear me say this word quite a bit, the word atone means to cover or to reconcile, to reconcile. And in that atonement that we're going to be looking at here in Leviticus, we're going to see an imprint of Jesus. Remember I said last week that an imprint, if you put ink on your thumb and you put it on a piece of paper, you see an imprint. Or if you press it into clay, you see an imprint. It's not the real thing, but it is a representative of 
your thumb. We're going to find that again here with Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to look at the imprint of Jesus through an annual festival that was instituted by God. And that festival is the Day of Atonement. Now, today, if you'll look on your calendars, you will find it called Yom Kippur. That is the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement has been called the Good Friday of the Old Testament. And again, since you see it on your calendars, it is still practiced today, except without the sacrifices. And the reason that is is because there is no temple to sacrifice at at this time. We are told that once uh, the temple is rebuilt uh, at the end times, uh, right before uh, everything just, God just wipes everything out, when the temple's rebuilt, they're going to start the sacrificial system, and the Day of Atonement will be one of those festivals that they're going to participate in. In the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement was instituted by God. And in that day, we find three imprints of Christ. First, we find the imprint through the high priest. Tell your brother Aaron that he may not come whenever he wants into the holy place behind the veil in front of the mercy seat on the ark or else he will die because I appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Aaron is to enter the most holy place in this way. With a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, he is to wear a holy linen tunic, and linen undergarments are to be on his body. He must tie a linen sash around him and wrap his head in a linen turban. These are holy garments. He must bathe his body with water before he wears them. And then we find, then he must take a firepan full of fiery coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and bring them inside the veil. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord so that the cloud of the incense covers the mercy seat that is over the testimony or else he will die. Now Aaron being talked about here is the first high priest that the Hebrew people had. He's the first high priest. And every year, what God is instituting here, every year on that day, the Day of Atonement, the high priest bore a very heavy burden. He became, for one day, the mediator between God and His people. Every year on this day, on the Day of Atonement, uh, the responsibility was all His. He had to do it alone. I mean, it was him and him alone. No one else was allowed to be with him. And as we read here, the instructions that God gave for the high priest to cleanse himself, to make himself clean ceremonially and, and getting rid of sin. Again, we saw he first had to cleanse himself, put on clothing that was without blemish, clothing that was holy and set aside only for that purpose. He could not wear those clothes for anything else but for that, tradition has it that these clothes were made specifically for that. Once he used it, he took them out and he burned them. Could not be used anymore. They were set aside only for that. 
And then, with that clothed, we cleansed and clothed, uh, uh, and and uh, in clothing without blemish, he entered behind the curtain into the holy of holies alone, carrying a a bowl of blood, and he offered a sacrifice. First, to atone for his sin. He had to get right before the Lord before he could go to get the people right before the Lord. So he would first atone for his sin, and then he would atone for the sin of the people. Now, so sacred and, and, and so, I guess, terrifying was this holy place because God said if anybody else other than the high priest enter it on this day, they will die. I mean, people took it seriously. People were afraid of this. And so, so terrifying was it that people would literally tie little tiny bells onto the garment of the high priest's clothing so they could hear if he stopped moving. They wanted to know, is he still alive or not? And so, the, again, tradition has it that he was always moving uh, and, that, and moving so that they could hear the bells to know that he was okay. But just in case something were to happen, they also tied a rope around one of his legs so that if he happened to fall ill or if he happened to die in the Holy of Holies, they could drag him out because they can't go in because if they do, they will die. They took this serious. And every year, again, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the sacrifice, taking it to the mercy seat and presenting it to God. The blood of the sacrifice was to be an atonement for the people for the sins that they had committed that past year. So they were coming for the forgiveness of those sins. Now what would lead up to that is that the people would They would all, uh, for instance, a family would go to the head of that family and they would confess their sins. How would you like to do that to your family? Right? They'd confess their sins. And then the head of that family would go to the head of the tribe that that family was in. And they would then confess the sins. And then the head of that tribe would go to a priest and confess. And the priest finally go to the high priest and confess the sins of the people so that then he could go in there and offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. The blood of the sacrifice, again, was to be an atonement for those sins of that past year. And because he himself, again, was sinful, he remember, he had to first present an offering for himself. And those sacrifices only brought temporary atonement, right? It was only for that past year. This new year, here we go again. So at the next year, they would have to do it all over again. But the Messiah has appeared. High priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkling those who are defiled sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciousness from dead works to serve the living God? Aaron, the high priest, was an imprint of Christ. Aaron was spotless and and he was holy in his dress. 
Christ was spotless and he was holy in his character. Aaron entered the earthly tabernacle. We saw there in that passage in Hebrews there that, that Jesus entered the heavenly tabernacle. Aaron entered behind the veil. Christ tore the veil open. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. You see, as our high priest, Jesus has made a way for us to come before God for atonement at any time. Not just one time during the year, at any time that we can do that. And, and remember, only the high priest could come before God for their, uh, for their atonement. And that, again, was once a year. Aaron entered once a year. Christ entered once for all. That's all that was needed. Aaron offered for a whole nation. Christ offered for the whole world. Aaron offered many sacrifices. Christ offered one, himself. Aaron offered the blood of animals. Christ offered his own blood. See, Aaron, as high priest, as we see this in the book of Leviticus, was an imprint of the high priest to come, Jesus. And what Aaron did as high priest was just an imprint of what Christ, the high priest, was going to do for the world. Jesus is our high priest. He's the one that goes on our behalf before the Father, asking for our forgiveness. When we pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my life, Jesus becomes our high priest. He intercedes for us, and we know forgiveness. Not because of the, of the blood shed by bulls and sheep and calves and goats, but because of his own blood shed for us. Jesus is our high priest. Then we find in Leviticus on the, uh, on the Day of Atonement, the atoning sacrifice. The atoning sacrifice. Now, uh, Aaron is now told that there is something else. The high priest must do something else. Next, he will take the two goats and place them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. After Aaron casts lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for Azazel, he is to present the goat chosen by lot for the Lord and sacrifice it as a sin offering. So Aaron here brings two goats to the entrance of the tent of the meeting. And, and the fate of the goat is determined by, a, by casting of lots. One would die, the other would live. The first goat was sacrificed in order to show how serious God views sin. Sin leads to death. That's why that goat was slaughtered. We're then told... He is to take some of the bull's blood and sprinkle it with his finger against the east side of the mercy seat. Then he will sprinkle some of the blood with his finger before the mercy seat seven times. When he slaughters 
uh, the male goat for the people's sin offering and brings its blood inside the veil, he must do the same with its blood as he did with the bull's blood. He is to sprinkle it against the mercy seat and in front of it. He will purify the most holy place in this way for all their sins because of the Israelites' impurities and rebellious acts. He will do the same for the tent of meeting that remains among them because it is surrounded by their impurities. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the most holy place until he leaves after he's made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole assembly of Israel. This sacrifice was an imprint of the sacrifice that was going to be made by Jesus. The Apostle John tells us that Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Now the the Jewish person at that time, when John, when they read that, what John wrote, they would know exactly what he was talking about. In their mind, they would know about the the Day of Atonement, and they would know about the sacrificing of the goat. So they would know exactly what John was saying right there. And it's only through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that we can be reconciled to God. It was only through the sacrifice of that goat that the Jewish people could be reconciled with God at the Day of Atonement. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is also our atoning sacrifice. It's only through him and what he did on the cross are we made right with God. Not only that, but Jesus is also the scapegoat. You ever wonder where that term came from, all the scapegoat? It's biblical. It's right here. It's first found in Leviticus. The first goat represented the atonement for sin. The second goat symbolized what had happened to their sin. The other goat, the scapegoat, chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When Aaron had finished purifying the most holy place and the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. I bet that took a while, you know. Uh, In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man uh, specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. All right. The goat's been, one goat's been sacrificed. The other goat is the scapegoat. The high priest comes, he goes, and he puts his hand on top of it. Now imagine, he's got blood on his hands. He has just got finished sacrificing a goat. He comes out and he places his hands, his bloody hands, on the head of that goat. And he starts confessing the sins of the people of Israel. All their sins, all his sins, his family's sins. He is confessing all the sin and rebellion of the people. And then the goat is led out into the wilderness. Now, you know, the wilderness, as we've studied on Wednesday as we're going through Mark, is not a forest. It's a desert with a lot of rocks. It's a dry, it's a hot, it's a terrible place to be in. 
And the goat is led out into the wilderness. And this, is a, this symbolizes the removal of the people's sins as far away as possible. What it does, it symbolizes that God knew their sins and knew their rebellion no more. No more. It is said that as they, they had people lined up through the wilderness, and as they would pass by that person, that person went, he's gone by me. And the next person, he's gone by me. And they'd take it back to the temple until finally they got far enough away that there wasn't any, the people then rejoiced. Because their sins were gone. Their sins had been taken away. The psalmist must have had the scapegoat in mind when he wrote this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I don't think it's any coincidence. And we don't catch this when we read this until you think about the scapegoat. And the Jews would have understood this. What John the Baptist cried out when he saw Jesus. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The scapegoat was in mind, taking them away. Again, the Jewish people would have understood that John was referring to the scapegoat. And as that, again, as that scapegoat grew smaller and smaller and smaller, and they'd be going back, he's now gone by me, he's now gone by me. And when he finally disappears into the wilderness, the people had assurance that their sins had been atoned for. It's said that in modern Hebrew, if you remember that uh, it said that uh, in Leviticus that uh, he would be taken out to, uh, to Azazel. If you remember that word, you go, what is that? That's a, it's just out there in the wilderness in no man's land. In modern Hebrew, the word Azazel means hell. Think about that. Their sins taken away. The first animal represented the fact that God had forgiven their sins. The second one indicated that now God had forgotten their sins. Forgiven and forgotten. Folks, those go together. If it's not forgotten, it's not forgiven. But in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven and forgotten. In Jesus, sin has been banished to, to a barren and uninhabitable place where it belongs. Oh, you know, people go, why is God reminding me of my past sin? He's not. He's forgotten it. But there's one who hasn't. His name is the deceiver. His name is Satan. And he keeps bringing that back up to your mind. Why doesn't God forgive me? God doesn't know it anymore. If you've prayed and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, then, then it's forgiven. It's forgotten. God doesn't know it anymore. As far as the east is from the west, your sins has been taken away. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And then in 1 Peter it says, He Himself bore our sins. Scapegoat. 
uh, uh, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds. That's also security of the believer. Folks, our sins. When you pray and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, number one, He guarantees He will will save you. Everyone, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's in Romans. Will be saved. Not might be saved, may be saved, but will be saved. So if you call upon His name, you will are saved if he doesn't save you if you're the only one in all of creation that god does not save when you pray and ask for forgiveness then god is a liar and we may as well get up and leave this place but god is not a liar if you ask him to forgive you you are forgiven and all your past sins this is what's so great of the of the of the uh atoning goat remember and the scapegoat it was for the sins of the past right the past. But Scripture's very clear, folks. It's extremely clear that when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, all your past sins are forgiven. All your present sins are forgiven. And praise God, all your future sins are forgiven. Those sins you don't even know you're going to do, God does. He's already forgiven them and forgotten them. They're done. It's over with. They've been carried away. Carried away. As you see, these verses here in the New Testament, when you look back at Leviticus, you see the imprint of Christ and the atoning goat and the scapegoat and the high priest. The high priest. The image of two goats offered there on the Day of Atonement there in Leviticus, point to Christ who would make further sacrifices unnecessary. Remember, they had to continually every year sacrifice, every year sacrifice, every year sacrifice. Jesus makes that unnecessary. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. One offering forever. It doesn't have to be done again. He did everything it took. So here, through the Day of Atonement, we see a glorious picture pointing to the person and to the work of Christ. He is our great high priest who intercedes for us. He is the sacrificial lamb through whom atonement is found. He is the scapegoat on whom our sins are placed and carried off where they are remembered by God no more. I will tell you, 
If you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior after what we've seen He's done for us, man, would you do so? Would you accept what He's done? Today, would you recognize Jesus as your high priest, as your mediator, as your scapegoat, who died in your place by asking Him to forgive you of your sins and giving your life to Him? If you'll do that, then you can enter God's presence without guilt or fear. Just think, one day as believers, why could the, only the high priest, he had to get himself ready, and only he could come before the fathers because he's the only one that was righteous enough, if you will, to be able to do that. People couldn't, regular folk like you and me couldn't do that. But just think about this, because of Jesus and what he's done on the cross for us, one day regular folk like you and me are going to be able to walk up to the Father and go, hey God, what's going on? Hey Daddy, thank you for what you did. Think about that. We will be in the presence of God. The last people that knew the full presence of God was Adam and Eve. We're going to be able to know it. What a great day that's going to be. You, we will enter the presence of God without guilt or fear. But if you never accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to know nothing but guilt or fear when you're in His presence because of what it's going to cost you. So as a believer also, man, we need to rejoice. We have the high priest going before the Father on our behalf. Our sins have been, have been, give, have been forgiven by the sacrifice of, of the Son on the cross. And, and those sins, and again, in fact, all your sins, past, present, future, have been taken to a place where God no longer remembers them. He has chosen to forget them. And again, if he were to choose to remember just one, then this book is a liar, and we may as well get up and get out of here. But he's not a liar. He has forgotten them. And if, I don't know about you, but I think as a believer, that's definitely something to rejoice about. Today, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, man, don't leave here without doing that. Pray and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. So you'll know the forgiveness that He wants to give you. So your sins will be carried far away. We invite you during our invitation time to come. <coughs> Excuse me. Man, just come and say, man, I accepted Jesus. Or, or I need to accept Him. Man, I'll run through it with you real quick. But all it, all it takes is, again, a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You've got to really mean it. If you don't mean it, then it doesn't mean anything. But Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today, I want to make you my high priest. Today, I want to accept you being my scapegoat, my atoning sacrifice for my sins. Today, I'm, I'm trusting in you with my whole life, and I want to live for you. It's just a simple prayer like that. There's no magic to it, but you've got to mean it. And if you mean it, I promise you, according to God's Word, you will be saved. And your sins will be forgiven. Maybe, Christian friend, maybe you haven't been living the life of a forgiven believer. Maybe you're going through with guilt and that for past sins. I want to say, 
again, my favorite statement from, from a Bob Newhart show of him playing a psychologist. Stop it. Stop it. Get over it. What makes you think you're greater than God so you can remember all your sins? God's forgiven them. He's, for, he's forgiven them. He's forgotten them. You need to also get over it so you can get up and start doing for God. Maybe you need to come up and just say, man, I'm going to leave them right here, right here on these steps, and just leave them there. Maybe there's something else in your life that is going on that you, man, you need to come to God and recommit your life to. Maybe here today and you need a church home, a place, man, this is where I want to put my life. This place I want to come and worship the Lord and be a part of what's going on, but also to reach this community and this nation for the Lord. We invite you to come during this invitation time. This is for you. This is God's invitation to you. It's not mine. It's not First Baptist Church, Troy. This is God's invitation to you to move, to do what He's asking you to do. Will you do it for Him? Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father God, thank you for this book of Leviticus. Lord, through so many of these pages, Lord, you know, and looking, it's like, which, 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 which verse, which chapter do I want to look at? Because the imprint of Christ was in all of them. But Lord, as we've looked at the Day of Atonement, and Lord, as we've looked at how it was an imprint of what was to come, of Christ to come, Father, may we see it fulfilled in what Christ did for us. And Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that Lord has not accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made on their behalf on the cross, Lord, today may they do so. May they know your salvation. Father, for believers, Lord, who... uh, Father, maybe they haven't been walking as a saved person. Maybe they've been walking in guilt uh, uh, of past sins. Sins, Lord, you don't even know anymore. But Satan keeps bringing up to their heart and their mind. Father, today, maybe they need to just come to this altar and just leave them here. Father, there may be somebody here, Lord, who's accepted Christ. But, Father, they haven't followed through in baptism profession of their faith through baptism. Lord, I pray, Lord, just speak to their hearts. Father, there may be some that need a church membership, that, Lord, you would have them be here. Lord, I just ask, Lord, just let them know. For, Lord, if you're bringing them here, then, Lord, we need those gifts and talents that they have to help make us a better church. Lord, all I know is this, is that your spirit is moving. And there are decisions that need to be made. Lord, I pray that they'd be made for you. That our answer to you would be yes. Holy Spirit, just move in this place. This is your invitation to us. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We'd like to personally thank you for taking the time out of your day to hear our latest message. Do us a favor and send an email to outreach at fbctroytx.org to let us know that you heard us and what you thought of the message. Remember to visit fbctroytx.org to learn more about how we support our local community. Again, thank you for listening.